got the need, the need to podcast. This is episode 30, Tropic Thunder from 2008. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And Mike, before I introduce our two guests, I realized, I don't know that this is necessarily a shining, a great example of the of Cruise Club, this, this particular movie, because just mostly because Tom Cruise is not in it very much, right? Like he's right, right. a minor character. Yes. But we are in the midst, and I don't think we realized, we're in the midst of a six episode stretch, which might be, I don't want to say like the dark era of Cruise Club, but it's just like the one with the most questions, because last uh-huh. episode was Lions for Lambs, which you and I had not seen. Right. This episode, Tropic Thunder, small part. Next episode, Valkyrie, which I have not seen. Oh, okay. After that, Night and Day, which is him I and Cameron Diaz, seen. which I don't, I've seen, don't think, I don't remember it being great. Then we have a Mission Impossible movie, because of course we do. And then we have Rock of Ages, and it's just like, oh, oh no. Like, this is a very <laughs> strange stretch of Cruise Club. After a hit, after hit, after hit, it's just like, oh, Okay. Let's yeah. figure out what's going on here. And we're going to rebound in a big way with Jack Reacher and Edge of Tomorrow and more Mission Impossibles and all this different stuff. But, like, and again, not that this is bad, but I was just like, oh, I, this, we're in a weird stretch of Cruise Club right now. And I don't know if we mm. I don't know if we realized the extent of that until I was looking at the schedule today. No, I am right there with you, too. I mean, I've seen Valkyrie. I'm actually looking forward to that. I've not seen Night and Day. And I totally forgot about that Rock of Ages thing. And, oh, boy, like, that to me feels like his Da Vinci Code trilogy all wrapped into one maybe so i don't know but you're right i was not expecting this sort of up in the air period for him and like this cameo it's wild mike this is not a george clooney podcast we are not talking about up in the air we are talking about tropic thunder a movie in which tom cruise earned a golden globe nomination for best supporting actor because apparently that's a thing that we do and also robert downey jr won a golden globe it was a nomination and a academy award nomination for best supporting actor this is a weird weird it's weird and they both lost to heath ledger for the Dark Knight. Oh, so this is like okay. a very weird awards year. Oh, that's so appropriate, but... though. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's amazing. To join us to talk about this movie, to talk about Les Grossman, Les Grossman. Less is more. <laughs> we have the host of the Foodie Films podcast right here on the Cage Club Podcast Network. We have Kyle Reinfried. Hello, Kyle. Hey, what's happening, guys? Hey, my leaf Welcome brother, Kyle. Welcome back to Tom Tom Club. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a little while, but... Happy to be back. Been a while. Thank you, and it's, it's good to be back. <laughs> and well, also welcome back to the show, Zach Dazan. Hello, Zach. Hello. It's welcome been back to you, you as know, well. A couple weeks. That's right. Yeah, I feel like Zach has joined us recently. He was on Toy Story, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and Zach's, Zach's got a bunch coming up. Before we go in depth on Tropic Thunder, I'm going to do a quick plot summary in case people have not seen this. I feel like this is the kind of movie that you would expect to find everywhere and i guess a lot of people probably own like this feels like the dvd or the blu-ray that like even if you don't have a ton it feels like this is one that like a lot of people would have bought but like i'm surprised that this isn't streaming for free somewhere that this you have to pay to rent this which i was surprised like it feels like this mm-hmm. is the movie that should be everywhere but in case you have not seen tropic thunder people are gonna pay to watch this movie it's good i guess so that's another way of looking at it. here is what tropic thunder is about so a bunch of hollywood's biggest stars both current stars former stars are making the movie tropic thunder based on a memoir from a Vietnam veteran. Egos and rookie director Steve Coogan just not being good at his job quickly get out of check. There's a news report that says five days into shooting, they're already a month behind schedule. They blow a $1 million special effect on a huge explosion. Tom Cruise plays bald studio executive Les Grossman, who demands that things change. So they come up with an idea to drop all of the actors in the middle of the woods and shoot it guerrilla style. The director, Steve Coogan, immediately steps on a landmine, gets blown up. Things break bad even further, uh, some Vietnamese insurgents attack them, but they get scared off with prop explosions and blanks. Uh, some of them get captured. They start fighting with each other. They fall into the middle. 
of what's called the Golden Triangle, which is the center, the core of this like hard drug superhighway. Big action movie things happen. They spoof Platoon and a bunch of other movies. They finally escape. We then smash cut to the Oscars, where the movie that was released is Tropic Blunder, which is kind of the making of, like it's kind of the heart of darkness of Apocalypse Now, which wins eight Oscars, $400 million, Tug, the Ben Stiller character wins Best Actor, I think, over Tom Hanks, over other Tom Tom, for his role in Tropic Blunder. And Tom Cruise is happy enough to dance to Ludacris's Get Back as the movie ends. Nicely done. Well done. Tropic Thunder. So is Tropic Thunder, Tropic Blunder, in the end, is it a documentary or is it a narrative film? Oh, yeah, good call. Because he wins Best Actor and no one wins Best Actor for a documentary. We actually don't know what <laughs> that category is. They don't. I don't think they say the, just like, like the award mm-hmm. goes to or whatever, but I, I would assume it's actors. We got John Voight, we got Tom Hanks, we got Tobey Maguire. It's, is it the movie we just watched well, except, except the actors are themselves? That's a great question. I wondered that. Uh, the first time I saw it, but now when you know you look in the audience, I wonder did John Voight have a role as was he Fourleaf in the movie? You know, like it's a weird. <sighs> I think he was in a different movie. Yeah, he's supposed <laughs> to be in a different okay. period. Because in the end, Tom Cruise is still less Grossman unless he played himself in Tropic Blunder. But it's a great sort of twist to think about. If they're winning actor, they have it has to be that we watched the movie that they were in. Yeah. But he is nominated for Tropic Blunder, though, so I don't know. Maybe there's two? I don't Who knows? Also, what documentary has ever made $400 million and won <laughs> <Lord's> the Oscars? <laughs> Tropic Blunder. Tropic Blunder. <laughs> All right, so let us kick things off. So like I said, you know, Tom Cruise not in this movie a ton. I will start here with my... And I, I don't... Even if we were not watching for Tom Cruise, like, I, I, I had never seen this movie before in my life before two years ago. Uh, oh. Oh, this, wow. is a, this is one of those like 10 or 15 or 20 movies that my Fantasy Baseball League, Take a Drink, had me watch as draft prep. When I watched it the first time, I was like, I'm going to like it more. Like, I feel like this is the kind of movie that I'm going to like more the second time. Didn't really come true. Back then and today, watching it for Cruise, watching it not for Cruise, just to enjoy in general, my favorite part my favorite part about this movie is the Tom Cruise stuff. I also really like the Matthew McConaughey stuff. I love when they yes. get together. My struggle with this movie, and we will get to it as... And I don't want to jump ahead of things, and I don't want to say too much of the movie, but like, I don't really connect. I don't love a lot of the Vietnam stuff. I don't love a lot of the. I, I like Ben Stiller. I don't love Ben Stiller. I like Jack Black. I don't love Jack Black. Like, a lot of that stuff. I like but don't love. Like, what I really find enjoyment in with this movie is the Tom Cruise stuff and is the Matthew McConaughey stuff. So my favorite part of this movie is just, like, Tom Cruise's intensity, his hyper-specific acting choices, you know, all the things that he apparently did. Like, Ben Stiller said, like, all of this was his choice. You know, the dancing, the look, the makeup, the hair, him wearing big hands. Like, (laughs) everything was Tom Cruise developing the character, and I think it's such a parody of a studio executive, and I think that it works so beautifully. So it's just a benefit, I think, that we're watching for Cruz. But, like, even without the podcast, what he's doing in this movie is my favorite part. Mm, yeah. There was even talk at one point that he was going to do his own movie with this yeah, character. Yeah, I remember or, that. Yeah. Right? Or they, they were at the least going to put him, work him into another Ben Stiller film somehow, some way. Like, it's even more amazing knowing how inside Hollywood Tom Cruise is that all this is definitely depicted on like real life and things like that which makes it even crazier best part of the movie for me too and my favorite part too is also the movies about movie making right so all yes. the times like I about movie making like yeah and like when they cut to danny mcbride doing like the pyrotechnics and all that kind of stuff and when they're partying while they're making the movie and all that kind of and definitely mcconaughey this is the movie where i learned what a key grip did <laughs> that's my favorite part of the whole Punch movie. guys in the face <laughs> well i mean I, I mean that was a joke and i missed it and i was like i have 
have to look up what a key grip does and i'm like oh that's why he's good at punching yeah exactly like key grips just from working on sets like at that point i had worked on a couple of grip and electric tend to be bigger guys especially key grips like it's you know it's kind of like a blue collar position you're just setting up sandbags and stands and just dealing with heavy stuff and that was just a big guy and so you knew to ask for the biggest guy in the room which was the key grip so i i I love that moment it's a perfect industry joke and there are there's rumors at least there's imdb trivia that says that this might be based on sumner redstone which mike if you remember a couple movies ago that they had that big falling out with him in paramount when they dissolved their development deal and he sort of revived things so like not the look the look is apparently based on this movie's producer stuart cornfield but apparently a lot of the mannerisms the bravado if you will was apparently based on sumner redstone so this is tom cruise definitely getting a little of the getting some of his demons out you think you're gonna get one over me on me like i'm tom cruise i'm gonna be in this movie with like a bunch of comedy guys probably not get paid a ton because it's a small part but like i'm gonna make you look a fool on screen anybody who knows who you are knows that i'm gonna be making fun of you so it's a weird power move i think if that's the case you know (laughs) who knows i'm gonna be trivia being what it is but so mike you're with me you think my the the best parts your favorite parts of this movie are the tom cruise parts yeah yeah i mean that's not to say that i don't like other parts of the film too i mean my i think the part i always laugh the hardest at is when they're trotting through the jungle and they've lost ben stiller and jay baruchel is just like talking about why Blu-ray. the Blu-ray format won out over <laughs> HD. <laughs> I, like, I've had that conversation <laughs> with people. <laughs> and he's like, it basically came down to porn and video games. Downey just turns around and he goes, you've been talking to me this whole time? <laughs> I fucking lose it every time. That's like one of my favorite, that's like up there with like everything we've watched for Cruise Club, like probably like the hardest I ever laughed. And that's your that's your birthday boy, Jay Baruchel from the Sorcerer's Apprentice. That's right. That's right. But I mean, I, I also love how intense Jack Black gets. Like I do love Jack Black. He's my Nacho Libre for forever and always. I just feel like, you know, by the end of this, when he's in his underwear covered in mud and just like pulling a gun out of his ball sack and just like, he's just committed so hard to it when that truck explodes and he's like my ass like just like that whole moment of <laughs> everyone slow-mo. coming through yeah it's so it's so good kyle what about you what's your favorite part is it is it a jack black i know you do love jack black but what's your what's your favorite part of this movie i mean you know it's still pretty freaking crazy the whole robert downey jr bit that's ballsy i i read a few things and it, he said in the end like you know he was nervous i mean this is the same this comes out the same year as iron man you know he's like in his revival and he yeah. takes this he takes this role and it is really over the top obviously they have brandon t jackson an african-american in the movie calling him out on it so like at least you have that <laughs> the the awkwardness of him playing a black guy but he just plays it so over the top and just so many of those moments yeah kind of around that same moment that manzi was saying just like when they're trekking through the jungle and just like him and just saying like i was associate down at san anton like there's just a uh, an Apocalypse Now reference right there, and oh, you're looking more shredded than a julienne salad. Like, <laughs> just ridiculous lines. Classic like that. foodie film scenes. Yeah, like I'm not saying it for those food reasons. This just happened to be like, I mean, this this came out in a summer where there were three other great comedies. There was Step Brothers. Pineapple Express and Role Models. I think it's just one of those comedies it's great to see in theaters around a bunch of pe- a bunch of people kind of around the time it came out. I mean, I think what's very difficult about this movie at any point, like I think whether it's 2008 where you're like, oh, like why is he playing a black guy? Or why is Ben Stiller playing Simple Jack? Like this movie is trying very delicately to thread like what's funny and what's too far. And like, I think because Robert Downey Jr. is such a capable actor, I think that he's able to 
give more credence to a role that otherwise, like in the wrong hands, would be like, oh no, this is a nightmare. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I think mm-hmm. you have to cast someone there that's really talented. And I don't know that this is necessarily okay. I mean, I'm not offended by it, but if somebody was like, oh, fuck that movie, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I had read something that he was hesitant to take the role, which makes sense. Of course, yeah. yeah. But that he just liked the script, which was written by my guy, Justin Thoreau, star of The Leftovers, mm. who would come back, Mike. He'll come back to write, or at least co-write, uh, Rock of Ages. So he's going to be yeah. not done with Tom Cruise no. before too long. And he, speaking of Downey, like, he went and wrote Iron Man 2, so... He did. connections. But Robert Downey Jr. just liked the script here and also just wanted to work with Ben Stiller. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like a great explanation, but like, sure, okay. Also, like, on a similar note, like, there's Al Pacino, the character Al Pacino, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> not the actor Al Pacino, but he's like this closeted, you know, very overtly sexualized man who at the end of the movie is finally in a relationship with Lance Bass of Sync. Kevin Hart was apparently approached with that and like he got into hot water because he's like, he said something that was apparently homophobic, but then kind of corrected himself or tried to correct himself into saying like, I don't know that I could realistically pull off. Like, I don't know if I could play a gay character. Like, I don't know if that's in my wheelhouse. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of things here that are touching sensitive issues that work and don't work kind of at the same time. And I think it's strange for a comedy to touch on all of these different topics and kind of hit on a lot of them. But also, like, the Simple Jack stuff is like, oh, this is this is bad. And, like, the movie kind of points it out. It's like, oh, this is, like, this, it, this is strange. It keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even after they point it out. I do wonder, like, from the, th- the three of you who have probably seen this more than I have, what is different about the director's cut? Because I think we all watched the two-hour oh, yeah. director's cut, which is an extra 15 minutes. Like, does the theatrical work better, or is this, like, the version? Can I just say, this is actually one of my favorite comedies of all time. I just think it's interesting uh, that yeah, you guys, yeah, since you saw it later, it hits you different. I, I saw this right when it came out, and to this day, just like every part of it absolutely fucking works for me. The Simple Jack stuff works, the Blackface stuff works. It's just, it walks that line of always knowing that the thing it's making fun of, like they're also making fun of it, like they are not doing it in earnest, you know? The script is very tightly written for that. Yes, to me, it, to me, it always always comes across as parody uh, in a very in a very dare i say woke way do you have a favorite part or favorite character or favorite moment this was my cruise awakening this movie was i was uh very not on board with cruise i thought he was just some dumb action hero i hadn't necessarily seen any of his stuff but i just kind of was just not into him on principle so this was your audit well i was like i heard he was like (laughs) being different in this or i don't even think i had heard I, i just saw him i was like holy shit that's tom cruise and i was like okay he's got a brain he's got a sense of humor. Yeah, this is he is absolutely a very high point in this. Yeah, just everything about his physicality is just absolutely perfect. The hair on his body and his head, the the hands, just he really takes over that movie so successfully. Uh, but yeah, even like other characters, I would say like Jack Black, like I have loved Jack Black and I also am not blind to his faults. He has made a lot of stinkers, no pun intended. But <laughs> this one, like, it was kind of a bright spot after a fairly dark period for him, I feel like. Like, I was kind of sl- slowly coming off of his horse and Ben Stiller's for that matter when this movie came out. I, I feel like a lot of this comedy works because the actors are being self deprecating sort of to their personas and the people they're playing are jokes in a lot of ways. Like, their personas in general like it helps that robert downey jr isn't just playing a black guy that he's playing right this white pretentious 
Australian yeah, time Academy Award winner. He's Heath Ledger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's dressing up, right? So like they have that one step removed. Yeah, the, there's a little less padding with the simple Jack stuff. I think it's just that I don't. Oh, think he's Stiller, John Penn now. Yeah, I, I I just feel like maybe if if it wasn't Ben Stiller is where I was getting at. With, like even with um, Jay Baruchel, it's like no one can remember his name in the movie, <laughs> and it's like no one can remember Jay Baruchel's name in real life either. It's like oh yeah, what's his name, the guy? Did anyone else get a Galaxy Quest vibe? watching it this time i completely missed it the first but like oh it's like galaxy quest it's like it's three amigos to a degree too well yeah that but i mean the whole premise of like you know we're we're faking it until we're making it i think that's the core of it that's why it's always going to work and why ultimately i do enjoy this movie it's right on that line like most of it i'm good with but like (laughs) even back when i saw it in theaters and and i don't know to answer your question joy i do not know uh, what has been added i just yeah yeah, i can't tell because i've only seen it once in theaters and i wish there was a theatrical cut on the blu-ray but but there just isn't love a movie about the industry from as recent as Dolomite to Singing in the Rain. Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this year. It's great. Nick Nolte showing up. It was supposed to be more of like a Quint from Jaws entrance, but they even toned it down a little bit because Ben Stiller was like, we just have too many references in this movie. (laughs) So many Wilhelm screams. I still do really enjoy it. I mean, I I remember thinking it was hysterical and just thinking that this the summer of 2008 was like a great summer for those comedies, I own each of those comedies on Blu-ray. Not HD DVD. No, not HD DVD. By that point, I no, I honestly, I backed people. I had a friend that got really mad because I told him to buy HD DVD because <laughs> I thought yeah, I thought Kyle's Toshiba was gonna win because Toshiba was VHS and Blu-ray was beta and it didn't win. And I just totally, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what Jay Baruchel enlightened us with in that movie. It seems, according to MovieCensorship.com, which is kind of the best website in terms of figuring out what the difference between like theatrical, like different versions or whatever, it seems like the theatrical version is kind of hectic in its storytelling. It seems like this actually lets things breathe a little bit more and lets the story be explained a little bit more, which I can see, like, as a comedy, like, you kind of, you're if you're not a Judd Apatow movie, they don't want to put out a two-hour comedy, right? Like, a two-hour comedy is kind of, like, I know this is more than a comedy that is also an action movie to a certain extent, but, like, you kind of don't want to put out a two-hour comedy closer to an hour 40 feels right, and so I can see in theaters wanting to cut that down, allows more room to breathe. It seems like there's more violence in this, especially in the war scenes. Mm-hmm. One big thing, like three of the minutes, or a little bit over three of the minutes, is that whole one week in, one week down party. Like that whole party scene huh. is oh. apparently new. Like that's okay. a big, oh, huge chunk. That's yeah. not in the theatrical version. Okay. You know, Mike, we always talk about how over on Hanks and Memories, especially like uh, Big and also That Thing You Do, oh, yeah. both added these like really long theatrical cuts or director's cuts and we're just like, uh, oh, this is is not better not, like yeah. sh- it should have stayed out different movie i don't know that i've ever seen the theatrical version of this but according to what this the way this describes it seems like this is the better version okay i do okay. i I do remember now watching it at home and feeling like scenes were new, but not being able to like pinpoint exactly what that party one makes. It totally makes a lot of sense. Um, it kind of feels like there was a hard cut to the jungle in the theatrical version. And then I just think like there might be more like the jokes may just go on a little longer. Like I know when they're sort of talking about simple Jack or maybe when they're pretending to take a leak and do all in Jack Black strapped to a tree. I think maybe there's like an extra minute or something. It seems like there's a lot of scenes that are like 10 or 15 or 20 
20 seconds long. Like, there's just, like, a couple extra lines of dialogue here and there. And it seems like a lot of the actual, like, the weight of the guns they're carrying, like, whether they're real guns or movie props or whatever, it seems like a lot of that's kind of fleshed out more. So it just feels like this allows the story to be told a little bit more completely and get a sense, a better sense of the characters, as opposed to, like, hey, Charlize Theron won an Oscar, let's give her 40 more minutes of screen time. Yeah, I think, <laughs> now that you say it, like, I think the party, like, you just saw them partying, and then you see Steve Coogan going out to the beach to help the plot move. So now on the flip side of the coin, Zach, you said that this is one of your favorite comedies of all time. Is there anything about this that doesn't work for you? Is there something about this movie that you're not a fan of that you would cut out or change or remove? Do you have a least favorite part of Tropic Thunder? Hmm. Um, I guess some of the more action-y sequences towards the end can drag a little bit, but I I also feel like they're a necessary catharsis to the structure of the movie. Uh, I I will will actually recant a little on the, uh, the woke comment. In 2020, in the middle of an opioid crisis, it feels a little wrong to laugh at someone for having a heroin addiction. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it really just all quite resonates with me. Cool. And Kyle, what about you? Do you have a least favorite part? Is there something about Tropic Thunder that doesn't work for you? You know, Ben Stiller's not, like, playing the straight man in this, but is he the least... No, he definitely gets wacky with the simple Jack stuff. I don't know. Like, Ben Stiller might be my least favorite part. Supposedly, he didn't want to play the lead. Yes, so he directed this. Yeah, and he wanted to oh. play Matthew McConaughey's character. Yeah, and then and then after that, character. then it was Owen Wilson, but Owen Wilson he tried to kill himself. Yeah, and then they gave and this was off, part of the reconnaissance. Isn't this the reconnaissance? Yeah. When still when Ben Stiller was going to play the McConaughey role, they wanted Keanu Reeves for the Ben yes. Stiller role. Oh my God, that would huh. which would have been good. I just. We get to watch it twice. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't seem like the Ben Stiller world and, like, the Jay Baruchel world kind of overlap a ton. Like, it kind of feels like two sort of parallel, similar tracks. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it just blends the two in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that we don't normally see. Well, there's just a lot of funny guys in this. And so I don't know if it's like, I know they're not like competing with one another, but like in my own mind, or I'm just, yeah, I'm not used to seeing these funny guys sharing the screen together. Like I know Jack Black and Ben Stiller have history, Cable Guy and before that, like all these, like mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. and Ben Stiller are like coming up together. Supposedly Ben Stiller went out for roles in like Hamburger Hill and Platoon and didn't get them. You know, he was just around that time of the 80s, like, movies, and, like, that's where he originally came up with this idea all the way back then in the late 80s. Like, wouldn't it be funny to see actors going through, like, a boot camp, which I know isn't what exactly happens in this movie, but... Side note is that we've talked about boot camps on this podcast before, and also Mm -hmm. on Thanks for the Memories, because Dale Dye who was kind of the inspiration, in a way, for these podcasts, because I was listening to Dale Dye on Matt Gorley's podcast, I was there too. He for sure did Saving Private Ryan. I think he did early stuff with Tom Cruise too, like maybe for Taps. They wanted Dale Dye to consult on this because there is actual, you know, like this is, in a, in a way, like it's a comedy, but it's also like a military movie and they wanted Dale Dye, but like Ben Stiller was like, are you going to be okay kind of making fun of, you know, not, and he's just like, look, I love comedy. I, you know, when, when shit goes wrong over there, like we resort to comedy, like really black comedy. Like as long as you're not making us do things that we would never do, like I am... By all means, like, I would love to help. So <laughs> I think it's cool to see, like, Dale Dye, who's, like, this noted military expert, this guru in Hollywood, who has done, you know, Saving Private Ryan and all these, like, heavy-hitting movies, also working on this movie. Like, it's there's an authenticity here, in a way, even though the actors, the characters in the movie are not carrying real weapons, and they throw a grenade that only quote-unquote explodes because Danny McBride hits the C4 that he's trapped to a tree. It feels real in that way. 
which I think it, is a cool touch. It almost feels as if maybe Ben Stiller and Justin Thoreau were trying to create this comedic magnum opus, hmm. like mm-hmm. in a very weird mirroring way to what is happening in the movie. Like, it's just so much satire that, like, it just really blends even into the real world. I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's what I have a problem with it. It's just all stuff that, like, it's for, you know, for a comedy, there is there is kind of, like, many layers to talk about. Well, it's weird because I could see, like, why didn't Justin Thoreau play the role? I'm not sure what he was up to around it, but that would have been good. Or even on the other side of the spectrum, you know, if you look at Nick Nolte, the character who he's based off of or the person he's playing the person that Ben Stiller's playing even someone like a Philip Seymour Hoffman or something you know because I think part of the thing too is like Downey isn't really known for comedies you know like he's funny and he's funny and stuff but like when was the, he never did like meet the Fockers or anything like that and like mm-hmm. not that this is down there on that level or anything it's the same sort of playground you know what I'm saying like it's sort of like pushing the boundaries of being offensive and funny it's interesting that Ben Stiller sort of conceded and or maybe that was part of the deal um, because it does feel a little like he's pulled in a multiple directions you, I don't know I can just kind of feel it a little bit compared to everybody else he just maybe it works for his character that he's a little distracted but he just seems kind of distracted you're saying that Steve Coogan is playing Ben Stiller now that's not a bad call either you know <laughs> just like this intensely frustrated director who's like explodes and stuff <laughs> Is that your least favorite part, Mike? Is that your is that what you're saying, or do you have an, a part that you like less than that? Yeah, I mean, it's not even that I don't like things about this movie. It's just that I'm like, for some reason, every time I watch it, I don't love it as much. Like, it's never, <laughs> you know, like no, I'm in the same boat as you. I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. The one thing I was thinking of going through, and it's not like I, I don't have issue with Robert Downey Jr. in blackface either, but I think that filter of him his character doing it through a character helps but like sitting here watching it this time like I I was thinking to myself like what if that was just Denzel Washington playing a pretentious actor they yell cut and Denzel sounds like completely different like you've never heard him before he's like putting on some kind of voice of like you know more of like a Shakespearean air or something like that and then like they yell action and he turns into like a gritty Denzel like the gritty war Denzel or something like that watching it this time sort of like fantasy casting certain roles and things I feel like my least favorite part is that screwball comedy element because I don't think that it is that like I think it is at times I think that this movie is taking so many swings at so many things and connecting so well on some of it, like the inside, like the making of a movie movie. Satire in certain ways, but I feel like it's taking so many shots. I really do wish that I loved this movie more because I feel like I should, and I also love Justin Thoreau as an actor so much that I feel like I want to love his writing more than I do, but it's trying to do so much and parody and spoof so much or so many different kinds of comedy. The way that the movie opens with the trailers, like even before the DreamWorks logo or whatever, right? Like it's it goes right into the Al Pacino energy drink it's like this is incredible like what is i don't even know what's going on like it's incredible and then it gets into you know the jack black fat family where everybody's farting just like this is (laughs) and i that doesn't work for me and i know that's kind of the point like it just look at all these different kind of things that we've had to do over the years but it's like scorcher six right (laughs) it's cool i I get what they're doing but it's it feels it doesn't feel focused enough not that this is a bad movie because i don't think it's a bad movie but it's just not my cuppa but i feel like if you focused in on one or two of these things i think i could really really love it i think that because there's so many actors like it almost feels like sure like let's have the movie be about everyone like let's bring in ben stiller let's bring in jack black let's bring in 
you know, Robert Downey Jr. Let's bring in all these, like, all of them have to have their own backstory. Like, I feel like you, if you had it about one or two of them, ideally maybe, you know, Robert Downey Jr., ideally maybe Al Pacino, I don't know, but, like, I feel like if you focus on one or two, I might love it more. I don't know that it would be as popular as it is. What works about it is that there's something almost literally for everyone, but I think that because they're doing that, it's not as specific as you know as as enjoyable as i might like i find it very successful as a as a spoof of blockbusters in general i mean i think if you take it from the level that this is about spoofing blockbusters and the industry that creates them it feels very focused coming back to the one thing that bores me on repeat viewings the action parts that's like the one part that's not successful (laughs) to me uh, is when they stop talking about the industry and, and have to fight for their lives. That part works on first viewing, but isn't necessary on repeat viewings, perhaps. That's interesting. I mean, obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to try and convince you, but I just want to make sure. I just want to say that from where I'm sitting, they connected on every swing. I think maybe in that regard, like, I just don't like a lot of those blockbusters. Like, I like the kind of movie, like The Scorcher, I mean, that's bad, maybe a bad example, because I have a Fast and Furious podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you have podcasts about, like, one of the biggest, A lot of the things that they're making fun of, I hate. You know, it Shouldn't feels that like, make you like it more? Like that Tobey Maguire movie, like, right out of the gate. Satan's Alley? Maybe it's just that, oh, yeah, like, we're, yeah, of course it would make fun of that. Like, that's stupid. Like, it, it's, it's not funny. It's just like... Sort to easy, easy target. Yeah, I think it's easy target. I think you're right, Mike. I think it's just like, like some of this feels clever and some of it just feels like, oh yeah, of course you would make fun of that. Uh, I have a very strong connection to Nutty Professor. It was one of the first like quote unquote adult movies I saw. That Galaxy Quest and Bowfinger. So I guess, yeah, I, I loved I loved the, the port noise. Yeah, I, I could see why that wouldn't wouldn't appeal to you in the same way though. Ben Stiller, maybe in general, like he does feel a little pulled, like he should just be... The fact that he, you know, from the beginning, it's not like he was planning on it, you know, starring in it like Zoolander, let's say. From like the panda moment in the jungle, while that's like, I mean, that's silly, but from like that moment, like when he gets captured to like, I mean, just the fact that there's a subplot including Simple Jack. Like Simple Jack just seems kind of like, should have been like the one-off. Yeah, the funny one-off thing, like even just one-off in the sense of that he gets to have the conversation with Robert Downey Jr., that there's this ridiculous poster in McConaughey's office, like something of that realm, but then that is the thing that these, you know, that like his captors love or whatever, that 15 minutes... Feels just like a little too much, like and slows down. But they make the grand comparison that a self-serious actor like Robert Downey Jr., uh, sorry, Kirk Lazarus, is being just as ridiculous as as an action hero, especially being successful in that like uh, Satan's Alley realm is is just as ridiculous as being unsuccessful being Simple Jack. In some ways, it kind of feels like Ben Stiller's character took a a bigger swing and put more on the line than Kirk who has this this natural natural ability and that scene where they're where they're deprogramming each other is just ah amazing that exactly no you do get an awesome payoff like that or even from the di- distance when Kirk and Alpa like from the distance and he's like see like he took my he took yeah. my notes that's a funny moment I don't yeah there is it's just that's, it's weird like that's why in- I still can't jokes put again. my finger <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah I love all that stuff I, lo- I do love the goofiness I don't know it's really tough to put my finger on paper. This should be one of my all time. I love all these guys. Like I love a lot of their work and their you know comedy. Mike, I do want to say that this continues the proud Tom Tom tradition of extended in movie product placement that we had uh, Coca Cola in Volunteers, and now here we have Tebow, which saves the day. 
Oh, I thought you were going to talk yeah, about I thought booty I sweats. Did too. <laughs> <laughs> no, like actual, like because booty sweats not yeah booty sweats not a thing. Like I love like I mean I love TiVo. I still use a TiVo. Like I've used a TiVo for a decade now. I still have wow. a TiVo. Like I love that it's there, but it's also like oh this just feels yeah funny. that's another thing that feels like a one-off joke. You know he's upset because it's in his rider and he doesn't get it, and it's not going to come back around. And yet it propels like almost the whole second half of the movie because he goes to complain that he doesn't have a TiVo, and that's when they call and they're like we have tug the golden dragon and Tom Cruise gets on the phone and has like the best fucking moment I think of the entire movie. Oh, when he... for every episode that we do, I pull a quote that I use as like the pull quote in iTunes. And do you know how difficult it is to find any quote by Tom Cruise in this movie that doesn't contain a swear? Like oh, there every, probably is not even none. just every line of dialogue, but like every sentence he says basically has at least one curse word in it. Like the only one that I could find that's even like remotely memorable is we don't negotiate with terrorists, which is a beautiful line that gets it's a round so... of applause in the movie. <laughs> so well executed. Everything else he says, and he doesn't have a ton of dialogue. He's probably on screen for five or ten minutes, but he has when he's on screen, he's on screen. Everything he says is just aggressive and confrontational and emphatic and full of swears. And I was like, please, Mr. Cruz, give me one funny thing that isn't filled with like profanity that I can put on iTunes. And I finally found one. I was like, geez, Louis, like it is just he is <laughs> committing to a bit and it is working and i also just like the idea that it's like chekhov's tivo because like it's the hand of god literally like at the end of the movie it comes down and he throws it and he, it, it stops the rocket and then he mcconaughey you just see him like run off into the jungle <laughs> just, yeah like a jedi run really fast clearly a cg double but like yeah. it's hilarious i love i love well, all it that. mirrors uh, that first scene with uh, the grenade and uh, ben's amazing hands yeah the only other trivia note that i want to say is that mike you and i have a a history with stand-ins on movies because we talked to Marco Mm -hmm. Kiris who was Nicolas Cage's stand-in for a decade and in the scene where they're video chatting with Tom Cruise with Les, with Les Grossman and they're trying to get the key grip to punch Steve Coogan and have his nose bleed. Apparently that took a long time, I guess because he was on set. Justin Theroux was Tom Cruise's stand-in for oh. those like while they were doing that. So I just like, it's a notable stand-in. So I think, you know, it's not necessarily fun trivia, but stand-in trivia. From time to time we mention how like we're watching stuff and I'll text you or you'll text me, but I believe I texted you last night. Bit of significance about this particular cruise club episode and it's the one where tom's cross because yes. at the very end at the oscars there's a oh, shot yeah. of tom hanks in a wheelchair at like the special olympics you know so this i think is the first time that we've had hanks and cruise in the same movie we've had Charlize and keanu in the same movie but i think that's the only crossover we had in the same line of dialogue in this movie in the famous i guess famous is the right word uh, full retard speech they reference both rain man and forrest gump i was like hey <laughs> yes that. yeah any other things any other thoughts to mention about tropic thunder before we nominate this for some awards and play a couple games zach any other thoughts any other favorite moments that you want to mention any other things that you want to say before we uh do some fun yeah, stuff who, to end this who, up who do you think uh plays tom cruise's character in rain man in the movie Tropic Thunder. Does Tom Cruise live in that universe? Charlie Sheen. They were up for a lot of the same roles back then. <laughs> sure the same Good kind of phys- look and everything. I didn't stop laughing for like an entire scene uh, when I saw this in the theaters originally, but when uh, Ben Stiller's complaining about the child that he adopted <laughs> and how it's like very confrontational with him and he doesn't want to like pick it up or anything, and McConaughey goes, yeah, well at least you got to pick yours. 
and then like pan over but i swear that kid like i looked like that kid when i was like a teenager that made me laugh so fucking hard and then at the end he's on the g5 with him (laughs) yeah so i love we i don't think we said his name yet bill Hader, and just like this kind of like uptight voice he's yes less of course like you know just his rapport with him especially at the end once he's just you know says eight academy awards and you know 400 million dollars but a nutless monkey could do (laughs) exactly less still brings him down a peg just so many like little lines in there like right towards the end when kirk is running back for tug um these names are sometimes hard to remember well they're all non like they're all like i guess intentionally nonsense right yeah and so then i'm even forgetting his name now but kevin Sandusky? Yeah. That <laughs> That's very yeah. meta. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Like, when Kirk yells, cover me, and then you just kind of hear them, like, all yelling, and you just, then you hear Jay Barishall go, with what? <laughs> it's just <laughs> such a, I love, there's just so many little moments like that, that that's why, you know, okay, I specifically rewatched it for this episode. Like, those are the moments that I enjoy and, and, and watch it multiple times for. I did catch uh, the DJ at the party. Yeah. Uh, it was the same DJ from Zoom. Lander. Which is Justin, Justin Thoreau. Thoreau. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. And he also is apparently a stand-in in like one. He's like an extra in one other scene too. So he's in this movie twice. Yeah, he's the helicopter pilot. Oh yes, 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 yes. Two very important questions. Well, actually, three very important questions. So first off, do you think Tom Hanks could play the Les Grossman role? And if not. What role could he play? I don't know that wow. he could. I don't think that this is I don't like think this is. So. It's know, too mean for him. It's against type, but it's also like it's not that against type. I don't know if I would have said Tom Cruise could have done this role. I don't know if Tom Hanks had the kinds of experiences that Tom Cruise had behind the scenes. You know, it feels like mm. Tom Cruise may have had like a tougher battle at some points of his career that like got nastier, and I don't know for which side would have been responsible but I'm just saying like it seems like he's pouring a lot of life experience into this performance and I just don't know I just just based on the movies and roles that Tom Hanks has gone through I don't know if he has like I'm sure he's come across it of course everyone has but as much to absorb it this way and then spit it back out so perfectly I do feel like we are in the power broker powerful men era of Tom Cruise like where last movie Lionel Lambs he basically plays Marco Rubio like you know this aspiring US senator and now here he's playing a studio executive. Like, not that Tom Cruise has ever been confused with people that aren't powerful. Like, he's, you know, an action star in just about every movie. He's in these roles now where it's just like, oh, I'm a world maker. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a king maker. I can make things happen either mm-hmm. politically or in the film industry or whatever. It feels like he's tapping into something in these roles, these smaller roles. I would agree with you, Mike, that he has probably picked up on in his career, but never actually, you know, demonstrated on screen before. Tom Cruise in real life already had that, like, on Oprah jumping on the couches, I'm in love, I'm in love. He always had that wild card factor to him. And then Mm. also, if you saw him eight years prior, saw Magnolia before this, you know that he could play an over-the-top character that doesn't mind cursing. This role wasn't too far-fetched, but it was awesome seeing him, like, play ball in the sense of playing this small silly part in a in a comedy because it's not like he's known for his comedic roles and like could tom hanks play this again like i don't think so like i mean i I think the wackiest and silliest you're gonna get him is going on 
SNL doing like David S. Pumpkins. It's more wholesome fun, right? Like it's yeah, not... exactly. Like he, yeah, you just I I can't imagine yeah. him. He saying... might be able to switch to like Danny McBride's character or Nick Nolte. He like doesn't make fun. He likes to have fun, right? That's how I think of it. But Nick Nolte's a good call. If he if he might have gone for that role, I might have been able to. Or or, see that. or even the Kirk Lazarus, maybe. I don't know if he has that prestige behind him that way, or not that kind of prestige. <laughs> I don't think that he's necessarily the right age for this role, but we also we know Mike. I feel like if we ever try to com- like get him and Cruz together in these recastings, essentially. But like, I think he could play the Bill Hader role. Like, I think he might be too old, <laughs> but I could see him as that very sort of meek, like yes sir, yes sir, Mister, like a uh, sidekick assistant yeah. kind of role. Especially because I would love to see him and Cruz on screen together in those parts. At big age. Yeah, yeah exactly. That the, yeah, bachelor party age, like when he was still in that run of his career, maybe. Two questions. The answer to one I think is no, and the other answer to the other one I think is definitively yes. First question, does Tom Cruise run in this movie? He's not really, I mean, he dances for sure, which we will nominate, but other than that, he doesn't really move. He's just kind of like in a room the entire time. Does he run at any point? I don't think he even does the running man. So uh, Does he even leave the room? I don't think so. <laughs> nope. I don't think he, even, he doesn't even go to the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, but he's in the tux. The this does kind of feel like, and I'm sure that he was game to do whatever, but it kind of feels like, Mike, what we've talked about, I think, I don't remember if you were on, it might have been your episode of Too Fast, where we talked about Hobbs and Shaw. All of Ryan Reynolds' scenes were ostensibly shot in that restaurant. Like, even mm-hmm. at the end, in the, the freezer or whatever, it's probably in the restaurant, like, later in the movie he's in the restaurant alone it's like okay you're, you're gonna get me for as much time as you need but like we're doing one location like it's just exactly. gonna be here and like make it whatever whatever you need to make it it's gonna be but like i'm not leaving here like this is this is what you get <laughs> and it feels like kind of maybe that but it, it works maybe yeah you get a day and one take yeah <laughs> which is all gonna change with that vault technology from the mandalorian the other question i think it's yes because why wouldn't it be we found someone on Twitter named Harperfect who said you could replace Tom Cruise's character name in any movie with the name Lightning McQueen and not a thing would change. I mean, Lightning McQueen sounds like many things, but studio executive, absolutely. Why not? Totally. It sounds too much of a good do-gooder name. I don't know. I, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not afraid of Lightning McQueen. But aren't you afraid of Lightning when like Thor? Thor like brings down Lightning. Like Lightning could be destructive too. But McQueen. <laughs> so Mike, I, I, I think you're agreeing with me. I think you agree with me every time. But like uh, yep. overall, you think yes or no? Because it seems like Zach's not really yeah. sold. Yeah, man. I mean. Even I'm not, I have no doubt, but even when in doubt, just I, I go with just it. Say yes. <laughs> I think so. The last thing I have to do is nominate this for some awards. I'm afraid to ask because I I I, I think across the board. Well, maybe not. Best film, worst film. Actually, we got rid of worst film. Best film? Question mark. I'm gonna say no. no. Best Tom Cruise film? No. No. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> best Cruise role? We're not gonna say, but best Cruise supporting role? Absolutely. Oh. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Which he'll probably win because he doesn't have many supporting roles. We've got four. <laughs> this is a tough category, Mike. We've got Magnolia, which Kyle just mentioned before. We've got Magnolia, Tropic Thunder, and Lions for Lamb. So those are three pretty okay. solid, solid supporting performances. Most badass role? I'm gonna say no. Most daring role to take? I'm gonna say mm-hmm. no because like he's bigger than Hollywood at this point. It's not like he would risk offending producers right he's like he's like i'm i create i i revived the studio when i got into a fight with another producer like i i'm bigger than you right like it's this is not daring i think this is just like a fun role to take yeah he owns all right most ways of performance no best fight for best tom cruise fight does he, he doesn't physically fight anyone in this the movie, phone he? fight though Ooh. he dem- he demands uh violence well that's gonna be in the freak out for sure we're definitely gonna nominate that best theme song soundtrack score i'm gonna say no i mean the I got Ludacris' song stuck in my head now. We got the Flo Rida, too. Like, 
those songs stand out, but like overall, I don't know this movie necessarily is that memorable in terms of music. Is it or is it not? No, I mean, it does in the same vein of Vietnam movies. It uses the same music, so it's something mm-hmm. really, really new. Best vehicle chase race, Tom Cruise not involved with any. Best dance scene, there's got to be the two. It's oh. just, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't even know how to describe it in like, in like a couple of words. Just like... Uh, Air grinding. Gyrating. He's like gyrating. Just dancing even, alone. Just even that simple turtle like neck circle move was amazing. <laughs> it looks to me like he's bringing something. I've never seen anyone dance like this. It's almost like an Elaine from Seinfeld, if you know that. Like, <laughs> yeah, But like, good? Like, it's a pleasing version of that? <laughs> it's great. He just looks the shape of, like, a minion. <laughs> best cruise outfit wardrobe. I. It's definitely memorable. I don't know if it's best. Like, the, the billowing chest hair is, is singed into my corneas, I think, but uh, I mean, is I don't it best? Know I don't know if he'll ever put on this much makeup again. He's got prosthetics, he's got the hands, he's got the whole sort of persona thing going on. All right, so I'll say bald cap, chest hair, and big hands. Or just like Hollywood executive. I mean, that shirt was pretty shiny. Best sunglasses? I don't think so, right? Good glasses. Best death? He does not die. Best line, I'm going to say, we do not negotiate with terrorists. Which one of you is the key grip? Punch that guy really, really hard. Do you think if Les Grossman was in that room in Vietnam, he would have gone over and punched him, or would he still said that? He would have had somebody do it. It's his power. He's got big fists, though. But power is other people, controlling other people, not, not true, punching hard. Point. Maybe I'll just drop the clip in because it's so specifically this, but like the take a big step back and literally fuck your own face. <laughs> like That's kind of a <laughs> powerful freak out. Is Les Grossman, who is this? This is Flaming Dragon! Okay, Flaming Dragon. Fuck face. First, take a big step back and literally fuck your own face! Now, I don't know what kind of pan-Pacific bullshit power play you're trying to pull here, but Asia Jack is my territory. So whatever you're thinking, you better think again. Otherwise, I'm going to have to head down there, and I will rain down on a godly fucking firestorm upon you. You're going to have to call the fucking United Nations and get a fucking binding resolution to keep me from fucking destroying you. I am talking scorched earth, motherfucker. I will massacre you. I will fuck you up. Yes, that's pretty epic. Best sex scene is not have sex in this movie. Most athletic feat. He doesn't do anything. I mean, he dances, but we already nominated that. Best running scene. We said he does not run. He's not involved in a love story. Best ensemble cast, I will say, Ooh, yeah. Tropic Thunder, because this is nothing if not an ensemble piece. And then best non-cruise actor, male or female. Is there a woman in this movie? <laughs> Alicia Silverstone in the crowd. Ben Stiller's wife in Simple Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt. Mostly no, right? Shit, like This no. is just like a yeah. 100% dude. Yeah. So then, best non-cruise actor male. Is there someone here that you think rises above the ensemble to so stand out in this movie to nominate this against the best of the best of the rest of his films? Or do we think that the acting is, as the ensemble, is worthy enough? I'll stick with the ensemble versus, like, Soul, yeah. Yeah, like Downey Jr. or whatever. All right, so we have six nominees. Best right. cruise supporting role, best dance scene, best outfit wardrobe, best line, which is probably going to get cut, best freakout, and best ensemble cast. So shout out Tropic Thunder. Solid showing. Not as many nominations or wins so far as the movie itself, Tropic Blunder. <laughs> no, yeah. This will not win eight awards because it, it can't. Yes, it can't, so. I can see a nominate. I can see it winning one or two, depending on, you know, dance scene for sure, possibly, right? You know? But the podcast we make about making this podcast. <laughs> well, so, Mike, I mentioned before, next Cruise Club episode, we've got Valkyrie, which. Have you seen Valkyrie? Because I have. N- I think I might have started it and didn't finish it. I have seen it. And I liked it. I remember enjoying it. Well, we will get to that in two weeks. But before then, we have a movie called Toy Story 2, 
over on the Hanks of the Memories feed, so that's very exciting. We just had Zach on a couple episodes ago. We just had to talk about the first Toy Story, and so now we're bringing in Jesse and the Prospector in Bullseye to talk about Toy Story 2, so that's going to be very, very exciting as well. But, Zach, thank you for joining us on this on this, on this this podcast. Thank you for having me. And, Kyle, thank you for joining us, too. If you want to mention uh, you're, you're in the midst right now. This episode comes out Friday the 14th. On Val- Oh, happy Valentine's Day, guys. Oh, happy, happy Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day, everybody. You are in the midst of your New Orleans takeover. Uh, if you want to give a quick rundown of what is going on on Foodie Films this month. Yeah, on um, Foodie Films, since this episode has come out, I went. I was back in New Orleans, but I did a trip before this and recorded five episodes, which, you know, I release episodes on Wednesdays. It was every other Wednesdays, but this month it's every Wednesday, and uh, including then the first Wednesday of March, which is Ash Wednesday, and I'm releasing those in honor of the amazing festival Mardi Gras and uh, something that I'm just going to start doing on Foodie Films for the first cut episodes going out of the New Jersey, New York, just general tri-state area and talking to people, you know, other foodies in different states. So it was really fun and had some great conversations. So please check it out. And Zach, I don't think I asked if you have anything to plug. Is there anything else that you want people to know about, you know, photography or otherwise that you want people to check out? My Instagram is at Zach Dazan. I post photos there. Check it out. Well, for all things cruise club you can go to cageclub.me facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on twitter and instagram email us run at cageclub.me come back in two weeks for valkyrie come back next week for toy story 2 on hanks for the memories we are now i think two-thirds of the way done with cruise club so we're we're rapidly approaching the end but we still got plenty of movies including some that i have not seen so i'm very excited about that i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike nancy and that was kyle reinfried of the foodie films podcast and zach design and we'll see you next time right here on cruise club let me talk to Let me talk to Let it rain Let me talk to Come on